Huda Nation, welcome inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook and Makers Mark. This is Chris with Vogel Booker Media as always, and this is going to be a very exciting podcast because about, I'd say two and a half hours ago, maybe two hours ago, I was ready, uh, getting my notes prepared to talk about a somewhat disappointing Saints loss to kick off the season. And yet, out of nowhere, the Saints mount a ridiculous comeback after being down 26 to 10 with 12 minutes left to come back and beat the Atlanta Falcons and kick off their season at 1-0. So we're going to recap this win, talk about the good, there was some bad, but mostly recap what the heck just happened. All that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, you're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Everyone, if you're listening on Twitter, you can come over to the YouTube stream, drop in your comments, suggestions, questions, predictions, celebrations. I don't care. Whatever the hell you have, drop them in the comments, and I'll pull them up on the screen, and we'll talk about it. But let's get into what was a thrilling week one game. Nothing went right for the Saints in the first three quarters. Nothing. The only thing that went right for the Saints was when they ran Taysom Hill. He had four carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. He looked great early. And outside of that, offense wasn't clicking. James Hurst was a turnstile at left tackle. James didn't have time, and then when he did have time for a little bit, he was a little bit, you know, I'd say hesitant holding the ball. Defense looked horrendous. They couldn't stop Cordero Patterson. And then there's 12 minutes and change left, and something just clicked, and this Saints team, played flawless football for the last 12 and a half minutes. And I've never seen that in my life where I've seen a team struggle for three quarters, look terrible for three quarters. Like the Saints didn't look okay. The Saints looked bad for the first three quarters. And yet that last 12 and a half minutes, flawless. And I talked about Jameis. He looked hesitant early. That was the best I've ever seen Jameis Winston play. The best I've ever seen him play with the last 12 minutes strikes down the field to Olave, strikes down the field to Jarvis Landry, strikes down the field to Michael Thomas, who, by the way, is officially back, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But, man, just a complete 180. And I know it's only week one, so you try to avoid overreactions and whatever, but the one thing you can say, and that isn't an overreaction, is that this team does have heart, and that's something that will carry on for the whole season. Like, that doesn't just, you know, an overreaction, this didn't work out. No. 26 to 10, things aren't looking good. It's very easy in the fourth quarter to kind of say, hey, we laid a, we laid a dud. We'll, you know, we'll head over to week two. We'll get the Bucs. We'll get back in the win column. That, you know, that holds over. And, of course, obviously the Falcons choking. That seems to be an, a perennial thing, though. So that, that, that isn't just a week one reaction. That's just a annual thing for Atlanta. So let's jump into things, guys. I'll pull up your comments as we go along. Obviously, so happy you guys are here to be in this live stream, drop your comments and I'll get them up. And if you're listening on Twitter, of course, come over to the YouTube thing and let's talk about it. But yeah, I I'm with you guys. I watched this game and I jokingly said when it was 26 to 10, I said, okay, 12 minutes left. They need two touchdowns and two point and two, two point conversions to tie it. No biggie. And I was just being sarcastic as I usually am because I can't help myself. But my God, they said, Hey Chris, how about we do two touchdowns, one, two point conversion and a field goal. Cause guess what? At the end of the day, that equals more points than the Falcons had. So the Saints do that. Obviously great. I do agree. The Ingram goal line run, uh, the two-point conversion, the second attempt, that was horrendous. And I don't understand for the life of me why they even ran the ball when Jameis Winston was just slicing the Falcons up. You know, that confused me a lot. But let's get kind of into it. Let's start off with what happened and how this whole thing transpired. 
early on, man, I was really frustrated, really frustrated because the D-line was getting gashed up the middle. They were getting beat on bootlegs, which made no sense to me because the Saints last year stopped the mistakes with the bootlegs. You go back to week one against the Packers last year, Aaron Rodgers wasn't tr uh, tricking them on bootlegs. So why was Mariota all of a sudden doing it? That, that's not what you want, but that was an issue. Patterson looked like Debo Samuel out there. Saints at times had no answer for Drake London. And Pete Carmichael was just calling plays like, for lack of a better word, uh, an idiot. Because there were points where it was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. And I was like, the Falcons have figured that out. And you're also putting your quarterback who had no protection in the first half in horrible situations because you weren't getting anything off the run. So the Saints were going first and 10 to second and eight to third and six. Jameis gets sacked. And then it kept becoming a cycle of that. And that was crazy. So that was a problem. Like I said, Jameis wasn't seeing the field as well as he did in that last 12 minutes. That last 12 minutes, that, that was sensational. And the only, I say, I thought positive to me, outside of the Taysom Hill thing, was that Marcus May looked good, Pete Werner looked good, and Michael Thomas was getting open. But he wasn't catching the ball because the balls weren't being thrown his way accurately or Jameis didn't have enough time to see him. That was becoming a problem. But those were the only three positives. And then, like I said, things just changed. And Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave just started thrashing this defense of Atlanta. And what made it so crazy about Michael Thomas, who is, I think, officially back, he was doing it against A.J. Terrell, who put your Falcons bias to the side for a sec. Look, let's forget that they're the Atlanta Falcons, right? He is one of the best young cornerbacks in the game, and he had no answer for Michael Thomas first game back from ankle surgery. He had no answer. Like, Michael Thomas, fourth quarter, that was just dominant. Absolutely dominant. Money time in the red zone. Money time on third down. Money time in, in, in long situations. He was fantastic. So that was a huge plus, obviously. But Jarvis Landry, let's give him some credit, too. Because the Saints made a bargain of a signing when they got Jarvis Landry on this team. And he was fantastic. Fantastic all day long. Seven catches, 114 yards. If he doesn't make that big catch towards the end of the game, I can't sit here today, right now, and say the Saints win this ballgame. That's how clutch that catch was. I mean, again, brilliant throw. But that's not an easy ball to come down with in traffic, game on the line. That's money time. And he stepped up and he did it. And the Saints got him for peanuts, pretty much. One year, six millions worth. That's what he can make total out of this contract. He's, he's worth way more than that. So... He was great. I thought Chris Olave, three catches, 41 yards, and a two-point conversion. He could have had even more. There were moments where he was open a little bit more, but I was really encouraged with what I saw from him. It's just a crazy thought because I was ready to come on here and talk about what didn't work, and now we're talking about what did work. And what did work was that we saw when the Saints bring in talent, when they bring in actual receivers, you can move the ball down the field because we didn't see what we saw today at any point last year. And that's because of the playmakers that weren't there. They didn't have enough. So that was huge. And I'm with you guys. I want to know what the hell happened in the medical tent because Jameis went in when he was hurt and he came out a new man. He came out a new man. And obviously it's not like, hey, there was something magical going on there. He probably just needed a sec to sit back, readjust and say, dude, I got to trust it and rip it. And that's what he did. The whole time. So hats off to Jameis Winston. Hats off to this offense 
I can't stress it enough. Sports is so mental in the sense that the ones who just don't have that edge, it's very easy to just pack up your things, call it a day. Saints didn't do that today. And the offense had every reason to because they were terrible for, I'm going to do the math here, 48 minutes? 48 minutes, this offense was terrible. And they didn't pack it up. And now they're 1-0 because of it. So that was huge. Man, Will Lutz, welcome back. I know he missed a field goal early, but when it was money time, Will Lutz from 51 yards, never in doubt. And how big of a relief is that? That we can sit here right now today and feel damn good about the Saints kicking situation, which we know last year if the Saints were kicking a 51-yarder for the win, none of us would expect it to go in. And we would be right because it would not go in. So Will Lutz is back, missed a field goal early, but when he hits that 51-yarder, any doubts I may have had about Will Lutz go to rest because that is a clutch kick. And the only negative to that kick was I think the Saints, clock management-wise, could have been a little bit sharper, could have waited a little bit longer before they spiked the ball. I get it, though. When you're rushing, you're kind of trying to figure out what's going on. You're a little flustered, so I totally get that. But the Saints could have been a little bit cleaner there. But I, I'm not going to complain about it too much because, again, Will Lutz made the kick. Saints go on to win the game. And that part wasn't easy either, which is a Saints thing. And I know you guys all feel this way. The Saints, I don't care if they win. I don't care if they lose. The one thing they're going to do is make sure that it is a wild, batshit, crazy game. And even after they made that field goal, the Falcons, I think the Falcons ran about eight plays, but the stat sheet will only show that they ran three plays. There was about a third and 10 that didn't count, a third and two that didn't count. They got an extra play at the end because of a personal misconduct penalty on Marshawn Lattimore. Young Wei Koo, who doesn't miss against the Saints, 62-yarder. I started to think for a sec that it might have went in. I actually thought, I was like, hey, he might, he might make this. But thankfully, Peyton Turner, who did have a rough go, comes out, makes that field goal, uh, blocks that field goal, and that's it. Like, that's it. Game over. But they never make it easy. And I do agree, the refs did kind of, they are in their bag late in the game, let's put it this way, which makes me wonder, and I know you guys feel the same way, and I'm probably getting off on a tangent here. I used to think that the Saints got shitty calls because the NFL didn't like Sean Payton. But after today, I'm starting to think that we're just going to have to deal with this for the rest of our existence, which is whatever at this point. I guess we're used to it, but it's a little disappointing. I thought maybe those bad calls would go away once Sean Payton left. So anyway, let's get into it. Let's pull up some comments here. If you guys are listening, drop in any comments, concerns, predictions, whatever you want. I'll throw them up. So let's go through some of them right now. Let's see what you guys have to say here. Um, there's a very popular trend going on that I see. Saints need to sign Ndamukong Sue or Malcolm Brown, in my opinion. That's, uh, that is an absolute interesting comment because I agree. I think the, the main concern that I take away from today is not that the offense struggled early because the offense looked so great late that Pete Carmichael might be like, okay, I should start doing more of this. And self-evaluation is very easy to figure out once you get that down what you need to correct. So I'm not too worried about the offense because the offense was so good late that I think they could build off that. So I'm not worried. The defensive line, though, to your point, you talk about Nadamik and Sue, Malcolm Brown bringing one in. I am concerned. I'm seriously concerned because Cordell Patterson had 22 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Marcus Marietta had 72 rushing yards. They ran all over the Saints, and I never thought the Saints would have given up 200-plus rushing yards to start the season. I just didn't think that would be the case. So I am concerned. I think they can correct it. But it doesn't hurt to bring in Adamic and Sue if he's willing to come to your team because that is an immediate upgrade at your D-line position. But I, I do want to preface by saying you can tell today that the Saints are a team that did not play a lot of starters in the preseason. 
because a lot of them look rusty. A lot of them are missing tackles. It looked like they weren't ready for live action football. So again, that's why when you come out with a win, when you shouldn't have, you really should have lost this game and you come out with a win. It's such a relief because A, you don't drop anything in the standings and B, you know you can get 10 times better than what you were today. So I think guys like Marcus Davenport, He's going to have to get better because he really was a no-show today. I thought Cam Jordan at times did his thing in the run game, but even he, he needs to be better. He, he's got to know that. No sacks from this defensive line. That's a concern, but I think that can get corrected. This is a defense historically under Dennis Allen that plays its best football as the season goes along. We kind of hope that that trend stays the same. So I, I don't disagree with you. I think that it would be nice for them to get Ndamukong too. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I've been banging that drum for a couple months now, so I'll keep on playing. And we'll see what happens there. Another comment that I see going on here about Lattimore. Better get his mind in check. Almost cost the Saints to come back. Yeah, look, I'm going to be real with you guys. I didn't really get to see what exactly went on in, in that play where he got a personal misconduct penalty. So if anyone listening right now in the chat, if you could just drop that in and put it in there for me so I could see what exactly happened, that'd be great because I didn't get to see it. All, all I saw was that they got flagged and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, the Falcons are attempting a game-winning field goal. So if anyone remembers what happened with Lattimore as to why he got flagged, like the specifics, um, can you please drop that in? I'd love to kind of see what happened because that is a concern. That That is a penalty that if they lose that game, you're the guy in the locker room who has to sit there and feel like you cost the team. So I do agree on that. But, all right, just an unnecessary hit. You guys say, all right, all right. So we'll, we'll see. That That's not great. That's not ideal, but that's a quick learning thing. I, I'd be shocked if he does it again this season. So uh, hopefully that, that doesn't repeat itself. I don't think it will, but as you guys says, say, he's a little sus today. It's very good that we won the game, but we have a lot to work on. Field goal drive, we should have ran more clock and let them use their timeout. Coaches have to be better in situational things. I, I agree on that wholeheartedly, right? The end result was good. How they got there wasn't so good. And I know we live in a business where a win is a win, so we don't really complain when a win happens, but... I do agree, like, if this team's going to get to where we think they can go, they got to be better in those situations. They can't be sloppy like that, and that's on the coach and the quarterback. But then it's hard to say also it's on the quarterback when he just put together three great drives in a row. So it's tough, but I do agree. Absolutely, Michael, you're, you're 100% right. They need to be way more sharp in that situation because the Falcons should have never had a chance to get the ball back, and they did so that that I do agree with. I think the Saints need to bring in a left tackle and guard. Reese is not your answer. Neither is Hurst. Well, I'll say this today, and I tweeted about it, and I'll say it a million more times. I think we learned today just how much it hurts that Trevor Penning got hurt because Trevor Penning was just taking step after step in preseason and practice, and a lot of us kept saying, he's going to start sooner than you think. He's going to start sooner than you think. But now you don't have that opportunity to go to him when Hurst is struggling because he's hurt. So that absolutely stings. I hope that he's ready by November, maybe December, and you could get him in there because even if he just plays four or five games this year, I, that'd be a huge plus. It's better than zero as last time I checked. So I do agree. Man, the left tackle spot is shaky. And I'll, I'll say this too. Even though the Saints played well on offense in the last 12 minutes and Jameis Winston looked fantastic, the left tackle spot did not get fixed during that 12-minute that span. I'm watching this game, and I'm, I'm watching him make great plays and great throws down the field, and he's taking shot after shot. 
So the left tackle spot did not get corrected over that 12-minute span. The Saints were just getting the ball out quicker, and their offensive playmakers were getting open at a more consistent rate. So that was definitely a big thing for me, but I, I am concerned about that. As for Ruiz, look, Ruiz's situation, he made some good plays today. He made some terrible plays today. And I think we might have to just live with that at this point because that is, that's your right guard for this season. I don't, I don't see anyone over uh, dethroning him for this year. Maybe next year if he continues to struggle. But it's so odd to me. Again, Ruiz makes mistakes that he shouldn't make. Like there was a screen pass to Alvin Kamara. If he gets out in front of Walker, Kamara is going down the field for 20, 30 yards, and he can't do that. And instead, Kamara gets blown up. So that obviously is not encouraging. As happy as I am with the win, the O-line has to be better. Seriously, absolutely, 1,000% correct. Um, look, I another reason I can't believe they won this game is I don't think I've seen the Saints offensive line look that bad since week two of last year. I don't know if you remember after the Saints won week two, they played the Panthers, and they missed their whole coaching staff because of COVID, and the miscommunication was just all over the place. I don't know if you guys remember that game. This game had no excuse because it wasn't like they were dealing with COVID and missing coaches. And the O-line was somehow worse. I mean, Jameis Winston, I got to look at the numbers here. I think he was sacked four or five times. So uh, that that is not ideal. You don't want that. He got banged up in this game. Thankfully, he's a tough guy. He stayed through it, but not great. And as you guys point out, Ruiz, he struggled at times. But here are the guys that I, I thought I want to give credit to. And I want to shift it over to defense for a little bit. Defense did not play well today. Let's not beat around the bush. They gave up 416 total yards, over 200 on the ground. They had no answer at times for Drake London, but that also was bad scheming. I mean, Drake London was matched up against Caden Ellis at one point. That You're just asking for a, a nightmare there, so that wasn't great. But Pete Werner, in my opinion, silenced a lot of the concerns or questions about why he got the linebacker two job and why the Saints kind of moved on from Quan Alexander. And that doesn't mean that I don't want that the Saints shouldn't have brought back Quan for depth purposes, because I, I think they would have been the smart play. I, I, don't, I can't tell you what happened behind the scenes because I do not know, but Pete Warner today showed you he's a damn good player. A damn good player. Clutch tackle for loss late in the games. Forced to fumble in that first half all over the field. This guy is a game changer. And I thought Pete Warner looked really good. And this just kind of builds off and, and, and validates all the preseason training camp hype that he was getting. Because I'm telling you guys, Dennis Allen, when he was talking about players through May, June, July, he just kept saying, Pete Warner, Pete Warner, Pete Warner. So you wanted to see it. And we saw it today. We saw it today. So I, I think that's definitely something that, that encourages, encourages me. On the flip side, you guys talk about Cam Jordan, about whether or not he has to move inside. I don't want to make that call just yet, just one game. And I, I thought Cam Jordan, yeah, he didn't really make a, a huge impact. But, you know, Cam Jordan did this last year, and I was saying the same thing last year. And then Cam Jordan ripped off one of the best months we've ever seen in his career. So I do want to give him a little bit of time before I, I kind of jump to that conclusion. But I, I think that the, 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 he'll, he'll figure it out. I think he'll bounce back. Will Lutz gives me Clay game six vibes. He's only lives for game winner. I don't think he's ever missed one. So you, interesting you brought that up, John, because I'm going to bring this full circle. Do, I don't know if you guys remember Will Lutz's like first official game as the Saints starting kicker. They played the Raiders 2016 season, and the Raiders went for two to take the lead with like barely any time left. And Drew Brees gets the Saints down the field. And Will Lutz has to kick, I believe it was a 59-yarder for the win. And he had the leg, but he missed. And he, he didn't miss by much. 
And I, I swear to you guys, when I was watching that game, I was like, I don't care that he misses. The Saints have their kicker of the future because I didn't think one, he had the leg. And I didn't think, I thought the moment was going to be too big for him. And he did miss. So maybe you can argue the moment was too big for him. But it was so close. And ever since then, Will Lutz is usually money with the game on the line, man. Usually money. And, and, and even when he struggles during a game, he'll make the clutch one, which we saw today, right? Misses the field goal early that he should have hit. And then comes back and hits a 51-yarder with all that pressure on him. And they're rushing. They don't have timeouts. So for me, I, to kind of bring this full circle, John, I agree. I, I, he, he gives me those vibes, man. He's got that clay six mentality. Clay, uh, clay game six. He comes in. You know that you need him to come up big, and he does it. And that's how you earn your nickname, Big Nuts Lutz. So I do agree. That's a great comparison there. Um, and look, I, I, before I get back into other subjects I want to talk about, I, I do agree. Let's give the Falcons some credit here for, for consistency. There's no team blows leads like they blow leads. And that is impressive, and they deserve a lot of credit for it. A lot. And yeah, Winston was on the money with those passes in the fourth. Like, absolute money. So... Again, guys, let's, let me get back into some talk about Michael Thomas here because, man, he was fantastic. Keep dropping in more comments and uh, questions and thoughts, whatever, and I'll pull them up as the live stream goes along. And again, guys, if you're listening on Twitter and you're enjoying what's going on and you want to be part of the conversation, come on to the, the YouTube link that I dropped in a previous tweet, and you can just start dropping in your comments. And we'll get them up on the screen. So let's talk about Michael Thomas, guys, because do you know this was the first Michael Thomas touchdown in a regular season game? Since the 2019 season, it's one of those stats that you almost can't believe is real because it makes no sense, but it is real. And I, I don't want to get like, you know, too dramatic about things, but seeing Michael Thomas be as effective as he was on Sunday, and when he gets on his game and he starts heating up, he gets this madman look in his eyes. And there was a point during this game. He scored the first touchdown. Then he makes a big play against A.J. Terrell. And the camera kind of pans over to him. And he had that look in his eye. And from right then and there, I was like, holy shit. Michael Thomas is back. Like, not Michael Thomas 2016 or 2017. or tw The Michael Thomas that we know and love. Like, the best version of Michael Thomas. He's back. I, I feel that way. After one game. Because when, throughout training camp, we're all telling you, he looks good in camp. He looks good in camp. He looks good in camp. And then you validate that. And every catch you made was a big freaking catch all day long against one of the 10 best cornerbacks in football. He's all the way back. And he's got that look in his eye and he looks bought in completely. When, when it's game time, Mike is in his zone, man. He's in his zone. And to see that and what he does for this team it's it's just unreal because I said if Michael Thomas is healthy this year, you have to add at least one more win to the Saints total that you were going to give them. So if you thought the Saints would be ten and seven this year, but Michael Thomas is healthy all season long, scratch that. They're eleven and they're eleven and six this year. That's how it goes. Like that's how it's going to change. He's that good. He is that dynamic, and he is that impactful for this team. Opens up everything. Opens up everything. He starts playing well. Jarvis Landry starts getting more space. Chris Olave starts getting more space. Jawan Johnson starts making some plays. So it really does impact the game. And as someone who, and I'm not, I'm not supposed to say this, like who's my favorite player and whatnot. Michael Thomas has been my guy for the last four of the years. And, and to see this again, whew, it, it was lovely. It was lovely. It'll bring a tear to your eyes. It really will. 
It, it really will. So seeing Michael Thomas back in full force, absolutely amazing. He, as you guys said, he was owning AJ Terrell. And you could tell, guys, after he scored that touchdown, he, that look in his eye, man. You don't want to fuck with that guy because he will absolutely pummel you into the ground until the game is over. And even then, once that happens, he's going to go on Twitter. He's going to start firing off some tweets. And then that's how you know Michael Thomas is back. When Michael Thomas starts tweeting some shit that people, you know, mention me and they go, Chris, what does this mean? And I never have a clue what the hell it means. That's how I know he's back. So when he fires off a, a weird tweet tonight, it's probably going to be some type of lyric. Then that just completes the comeback effort for Michael Thomas. And as I'm sitting here, I got red zone on. Giants look like they're terrible. What, what else is new? Um, yeah, he is back. He is all the way back. So that, that was great to see. Now, what wasn't great to see? Alvin Kamara leaving the field with an injury. No specifics yet, it seems like. I, I think we're going to have to wait for this one. I, I would love to kind of tell you guys from now, we have nothing to worry about, whatever. Um, I know Alvin said that he feels good leaving the game, but that doesn't mean for sure that we know. Like, we're going to have to wait and see. The fact that Alvin said he's good is, is encouraging. Don't get me wrong. But let's see that practice report when it comes out on Wednesday and Thursday and just make sure that he's back. Uh, Alvin didn't get to do what I thought he'd do today. I thought Alvin Kamara was in for a huge game. But again, that just makes it more impressive, right? Finding different ways to win. Defense wasn't good today. That won't be the case all season long. Alvin Kamara didn't have room to run today. That won't be the case all season long. This offense couldn't do shit for three quarters. That won't be the case all year long. So finding ways to win early in the season is so important because we all know how the Saints do this thing, man. Sean Peter or not, they play their best football in October. So we'll see. Like you guys said, Tom Brady is next. The Bucs are next. Before that happens, though, we got to see the Bucs play the Cowboys tonight. That's one of those rare games where you're just rooting for everyone to lose. Although, realistically, you want the Cowboys to win so the Saints get that full game advantage in the NFC South because they beat the Falcons. And then after they beat the Falcons, the Panthers suffered a heartbreaking loss to the Browns. So it was a double whammy, back-to-back good news. And the Saints could end up, depending on this Bucks cowboys game finishes tonight, where they're in that position where they're 1-0 and the rest of the division's 0-1. And that is a huge advantage. Obviously, still so early in the goddamn season that it won't matter that much. But it's a nice little cherry on top to what was a crazy, crazy um, week one. And look, I agree. Look, can they both lose? I wish. But um, yeah. Bro, I lost about 12 pounds of sweat and 10 days of life watching that. <sighs> Amen. Amen. I, I'll, I'll pull it up here real quick. The first text I sent to, to my group chat, I, I said, Saints took six years off my life today at this rate. I'll be dead by next week. That's all I said. And honestly, I, I'm not, I hope that's not the case because, you know, we got a whole season to get through. But they never make it easy. They never make it easy. I kind of like it, though. Uh, it, it just It's good for drama. But, yeah, man, you, you are not alone talking about, you know, taking a couple days off your life watching this game. So, I wish I had a girl who loved me like Taysom loves playing the Falcons. Whew. Okay, so, full disclosure, I, I don't know why I didn't do this, but I should have thrown money on Taysom Hill being an anytime touchdown scorer. Because I was talking about this with Jack Collada, and we were, we were talking about Taysom Hill, and he was, he was actually saying he thinks Taysom Hill is going to be the first person to score a touchdown. So, I hope for Jack's sake he threw some money down on that because he'd, he'd have a nice payout. But Taysom Hill loves playing the, the damn Falcons. And you think the Falcons would figure this shit out, right? They, they can't. 
But that is, you know, all jokes aside, another added benefit of Taysom Hill being in this playmaker role, right? Because things were not going right for this Saints offense in that first half, and he kind of give he gave them enough life and enough breathing room to kind of keep things afloat. So that's a huge thing for sure. Yeah, I lost a year of my life. I had the Bengals game on my second TV, and that was stressing me out too. You know, that's a good point. You mentioned the Bengals game. Uh, that was the weirdest game I've ever seen. I can't believe a team where their quarterback, and no disrespect to Joe Burrow, because you guys know how I feel about Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow had five turnovers, and had they not had an a, a extra point blocked, they would have won. I, I've never seen that before in my life. I've never seen that before. So that that was crazy. Um, wild game there. Um, but yeah, empty first touchdown. I was like, oh my God, he caught that. Yeah, I was going nuts over that touchdown grab, because even though... In the, like the grand scheme of things, it was 26 to 16. The Saints still had so much work to do. That was a nasty grab. Nasty. Also a great throw, by the way, because Jameis ripped that thing. That thing was coming in about 120 miles an hour. But that was a nasty catch. And, and once, and, and I agree, DJ, 1,000%. This is a new NFL. In maybe the old NFL, wide receivers can't change the game as much as they, they can now. But when Michael Thomas gets shit going, he just opens everything up, and we saw that today. Totally different team once he started dominating, and once him and Jameis got on the same page, and I think that's only going to build, right? We should see their their connection get better. I tweeted before, Jameis and Jarvis, they have a, already a really good connection. I'm not really surprised that that was something that we were seeing through minicamp, so I thought that would hold over through training camp, and it did, and now it's holding over to the regular season, so even better. But when Michael Thomas and, Jar- and uh, Jameis Winston get that connection going, that is going to be scary because this was their, their first full game together in a Saints uniform because obviously Michael Thomas missed the, the whole season last year. And when Jameis came in the first year, he filled in for Drew Brees when he broke his ribs, but he only played that half a game. And him and Michael Thomas obviously weren't on the same page because it, it was a new thing. So this was kind of that first full experience. I said, I said it went pretty well. I mean, it was pretty frustrating early on, but it picked up well. It really picked up well. I didn't realize how much of a sure tackler Marcus May. Look, Marcus May, and he, don't get me wrong, he had some place here and there where he slipped up, had a big PI, um, had a couple of moments where I thought that he was out of position, should have had a game-sealing interception. That didn't happen because, you know, we got to make things a little bit harder than it has to be. But Marcus May, huge force fumble. The Falcons were well on their way to scoring points there. They did not because of that. Great tackling in terms of the pursuit and just recognizing the play. Marcus May, if this defense can just kind of recapture any magic they had last year, they will be way more physical because of Marcus May because he just sets that tone so easily. But even though we talk about his aggressiveness and his sure tackling ability, the range is actually there for him as a safety, which is wildly impressive because usually you get one or the other, right? You don't get range and you don't get aggressiveness. You get one or the other. You got to pick one. And he's got a pretty good balance of the two. Communication just needs to be a little bit better. That's something that I said as a concern on the re- on the preview podcast. This is a new secondary, right? No more Gardner Johnson. No more um, Malcolm Jenkins. No more Marcus Williams. So how do they kind of figure stuff out? And they've done a really good job of, I'd say, at moments, doing that together. They got to get better at that, though. And they will. Because, again, they didn't have Paulson Adebo today, which is almost like an oversight that we forget about that. But if Paulson Adebo is going to live up to what we think he can do, and what he showed in training camp, that's just another great corner to throw to this team. So overall, 
I think this defense will get better. It wasn't a great start by any means, but they had moments where they flashed, specifically Marcus May, and even Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron Matthew will get better, of course, and we didn't see Lattimore's best game, but I'm, I'm sure that will be to come. I hope Kamara can get it going next week. Yeah, um, I'm just checking before. He seems to be pretty good in terms of how he's feeling. At least that's what the reports are saying now that I'm catching up on. But again, I, I do agree wholeheartedly. We got to wait and see how he looks on the injury report and what's the situation there. Don't really want to count um, you know, our eggs before they hatch. So kind of see what happens. But we'll see. Jarvis did well. Well, had over 100 yards. Jarvis was great, guys. Jarvis was great. And Jarvis, what I loved about him was a lot of contested catches, a lot of catches down the field. You know, when you think of Jarvis Lange, you don't really think of that as much anymore. You kind of think about possession receiver, but a lot of big plays. Jarvis still has, I think, wide receiver two capabilities, which is scary because I think by the end of the season, Olave will look like a wide receiver two already, which means the Saints could have one wide receiver one and two wide receiver twos. So that that is really impressive. Also, 28 to three is over. It's 26-10 now, baby. Hey, look, 28 to 3 will live on forever, but I, I get where you're going with it. I get where you're going with it. I respect it. I'll probably tweet something about that later. I'll have some memes saved up. You guys know I can't resist. I'm, I'm just a cornball. So uh, we'll see. Kyle Pitts got clamped, two catches for 19 yards. I'm that was one of the most shocking things of this game, right? If I told you Kyle Pitts had two catches for 19 yards and just didn't play well and, and didn't have his opportunity, you would probably be like, okay, Saints are going to blow them out. But that wasn't the case because Drake London made big plays. Cordell Patterson looked fantastic. I'm surprised. I don't know if it's a him and Mariota thing, maybe not on the same page. Or maybe I have to give the Saints defense a little bit more credit. Kyle Pitts did not do his thing, and I'm stunned because Kyle Pitts, I think, will, by the end of the season, be one of, if not the, kind of main tight end in terms of receiving yards. So I'm stunned by that performance. He was not good. Um, And I do agree, Drake London is going to be good. Drake London looked really sharp during moments. And uh, he's a player who was on the injury report all week long, but you bet your ass he played against the Saints. Nothing cures an injury like playing against the Saints. I'm not kidding. It is a scientific fact. You can argue with anyone about it. If you are injured, the best remedy is playing against the Saints the next week. You're automatically healed. For example, someone will probably get hurt, Bucks Cowboys tonight, and they will be healed magically by Sunday. It just happens. Trauman has to be playing for his New Orleans career this year, hoping he can figure things out. Yeah, look, I think this is a tough game, right, for, for Trautman in the sake that uh, I obviously want to see more, right, because we saw nothing. So that, that obviously isn't a great start. But there really weren't opportunities there either. This offense started out so terribly early, and Trautman isn't going to be that guy that's making those big plays down the field that he did at Dayton because that's just lesser competition, so we have to just kind of scale it back. And... I think we'd see him maybe more in the intermediate passing game, but we really weren't seeing that because in the last 12 minutes, Jameis was just ripping that thing down the field, 15, 20, 25 yards. And it was to our, the great receivers that they have. So I do agree. I think Troutman and honestly, the 2020 class as a whole is kind of playing for their careers. Zach Bond, not cutting it. Obviously Cesar Ruiz, you guys want him cut. That's not my words. That's yours right now. But, and, and Troutman not really living up to it. So we'll kind of see what happens from here. But not a not a great start for my thought that a hey, Troutman's gonna shake back this year because he really didn't. Jawan Johnson got a lot of looks, uh, whether it's by design or whether it's by connection with Jameis. He got a lot of looks early, couldn't create any separation. Later in the game, did create separation. I think that was a direct result of what the receivers were doing. 
but a lot of J- Juwan Johnson early. I was I was pretty stunned by that. Um, now another thing that I want to talk about here is the I say adjustments that P. Carmichael made. I I don't want to go all in on one game and say like this is what we're going to see from this Saints offense, but I think Pete Carmichael early on was playing such a conservative brand of football that it really hurt this team. And more importantly, like I said, and I was telling you guys, Jameis Winston had no chance of succeeding early on because he was getting hit early and then holding on to the ball too much. And then guess what? They were sending their players deep for a little bit, so he couldn't even get into a rhythm. It was just a mess. And I will give Pete Carmichael credit because if you blame someone for the mistakes they make, I think they get credit for when they do a complete 180 on the game plan and put this one together. So I I, want to give a lot of respect to him for that. And my hope is that this builds into next week because the Saints can't, cannot play like this against the Buccaneers next week. They would lose. They are very fortunate that it was against the Falcons in the sense that I think from a talent standpoint, this isn't a, a hot take. The Saints are 30 times better from a talent standpoint than the Falcons. Better roster overall across the board. And at the end of the day, in the fourth quarter, talent won out because every big playmaker on the Saints started making plays. That, that's what it came down to. So they'll need to be, they'll need to be better. People, Carmichael will need to be better. Uh, I think he will be better, though. I do think he will be better. But, man, some of the tweets that were flying during the game while they were losing, I'm not going to lie. They were pretty funny. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Literally have a headache after that one. This game did some damage to me. John, amen, man. Amen. I, I will say, I don't know about you guys. I've reached that point in Saints games where like now if shit just hits, you know, the fan, I just start laughing. Maybe it's a little bit like a madman, almost like the Joker movie. But I, at some point during the game, I just started hysterical laughing because I couldn't believe they were down 26 to 10 to the Falcons. I, you know, if you told me they would lose to the Falcons, I wouldn't have been stunned. Division game, week one, crazy shit happens. But they were just getting outclassed and they were getting their ass kicked in the trenches. And I couldn't believe it. I was like so stunned. So I, I just find a way now to kind of laugh it off a little bit more. But I guess, you know what? I do have a headache though. So you know what, John? I guess we're in the same boat here. Anyway, guys, if you're listening, drop in more comments, thoughts. Um, it could be about next week. It could be about any NFL game. Doesn't even have to be about the Saints. So this is a wild week one. A wild week one. So whatever you guys got, throw them down here. We'll chat about it here. You know, Week one usually is crazy, but I I was just I was looking around the scores around the league. I'm like, holy shit, what the hell is going on? I mean, the Colts, Texans, and Bengals, Steelers games, those games didn't want to end. And also, I hate ties, which we got early. So it was a great week in terms of entertainment. Not a great week if you if you don't like ties like me. But it was it was odd. Wonder what Sean Payton's thinking about that game. I don't know, man. You know what Sean Payton should be thinking about after watching this Saints game? Do you know what he should be thinking about? He should be thinking, holy shit, it really does help if you add wide receivers to this team. Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, take a bow, man. They they were on point late in the game. Glad to see the M, uh, glad to see MT shut the haters up, especially against a good corner like Terrell. Michael Thomas haters are the weirdest people in the world, man. I'm going to say this real quick, and this is no disrespect to the player that I'm going to mention, but I I just think it's funny how people operate. When Michael Thomas had his 2019 season, slant boy this, only quick quick passes, only short passes, doesn't know how to run routes, whatever. Cooper Cup does the same exact thing two years later, 
And Cooper Cup is, you know, you know, heralded as the best wide receiver of his generation. Cooper Cup's amazing, by the way. So do not take this as Cooper Cup slander. Cooper Cup is a great wide receiver. But how come when Michael Thomas does it, Michael Thomas gets called slant boy this and whatever the hell else kind of nicknames he's kind of had at this point. But when Cooper Cup does it, Cooper Cup's the greatest wide receiver in the NFL. It makes no sense to me. It makes no, it makes no sense to me. So I am glad that he shut the haters up. I am glad that he also had a bunch of receptions down the field. That really shut everyone up too because there weren't a whole lot of slants going on today. Michael Thomas was owning back shoulder fades, deep passes down the field. He was doing it all. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's funny. I think it's very hypocritical. Uh, I do think that it is funny and in a way that like, what can you do at this point? But man, double standards all around. Double standards all around. Thoughts on Lovey Smith playing for the tie. If you told me I have to pick one head coach that would play for a tie, my guess would be Lovey Smith. And I'm a little disappointed, by the way, because the Houston Texans beat the crap out of the Colts for three quarters. Beat the crap out of them. And then the fourth quarter, it's just like they took their foot off the gas and they put the emergency brake up. And guess what? Once the emergency brake was up and they tried to get rid of it, they couldn't get rid of it. It was stuck. So I'm not surprised that they played for the tie. But I was really disappointed because I thought Davis Mills looked good. And, you know, I want the Houston Texans and Detroit Lions and teams that haven't been good to, like, fight. And they both did fight today. But the Texans should have left with a win. And that, that, that's, just, that's just odd. Falcons going to Falcon? You bet, man. Falcons are definitely going to Falcon. Without Jensen, we have to get after Brady. Look, that's going to be a big thing. And I'm going to talk about it all of this week coming up. No Ryan Jensen. Um, I, I want to get his name right. I believe it's Stinney is their, their guard who tore ACL. They don't have him as well. Uh, he's out. So Aaron Stinney's out. Ryan Jensen's out. They're playing two young guys that are not accustomed to really being in the, in the spotlight. Also, you're in the spotlight for Tom Brady, by the way. That's not easy. Tristan Wirfs, he's healthy technically, but he's been batting a lot of injuries this year. You got a new right guard in because last year you had Alex Kappa, Ryan Jensen, and Ali Marpet. All three of them are gone now. That's going to be a huge key. Getting after Brady without blitzing, which the Saints have done so well over the last five years, uh, last five games, excuse me, they're going to need to do that again. So I will definitely be talking about that. No Jensen, they're going to have to do that. And of course, Bruce Arians not being there. That's that's going to be an interesting thing. I want to see how they look under Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles had a really good first year with the Jets, kind of faltered after that, but I can't really blame him for struggling with the Jets. The Jets are the problem, not him. But yeah, Let's see elsewhere, Justin Jefferson killing it already. Can is I don't think it's a hot take to say Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in football, right? Like I, I'm not I'm not going to get into argument over who is and who's not. Because Cooper Cup is in that argument. I think a healthy Michael Thomas is in that argument. I think Jamar Chase is already coming into that argument. Justin Jefferson is God tier. Like, he is incredible. Incredible. Already, and this game is in the first half still. Six catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns. As I look around the league uh, on this live stream, and I see you guys are you guys are already bothering me. Your boy Rogers down 17-0. I don't take... I do not take enjoyment or great comfort, I should say, in watching Aaron Rodgers lose. Who am I kidding? I really do. It's hilarious. I'm not surprised. Um, and guess what? When you pay your quarterback that much money and you don't keep your star receiver and your top weapon is Randall Cobb at age 75, it's hard to move the ball. It's very hard to move the ball. 
But yeah. Um, yeah, Jefferson's a dog, man. Jefferson is fantastic. Hey, look, Green, Green Bay's got good DB, uh, DBs as I read in this thread. They, they got good DBs. They're not amazing, but Jair Alexander, when healthy, is a very good cornerback. Rasul Douglas is not a bad cornerback either. I believe they have Stokes, a kid out of Georgia as well. So they're not bad DBs. I think Justin Jefferson's just freaking ridiculous, which we're seeing now. So it, it's a crazy week. I, I think that by the end of it, it's going to be way too early to kind of assess how the NFC looks. But there's a lot of talent. There's a lot more. I think the teams that have the best rosters in the NFC maybe have a little bit of uncertainty. And what I mean by that is I think the Vikings have a really good roster, but uncertainty as to whether or not you trust Kirk Cousins and the new coach. I think the Saints have a really a lot of talent, of course. But there are question marks about what are you getting from Jameis? If it's Jameis that we saw in the second half of today, the Saints are going to be in business all year long. And of course, questions about Dennis Allen because Dennis Allen's a first-year head coach uh, for the Saints. Then you have the Eagles, super talented today, super great roster, but questions about Jalen Hurts. I, you know, if he plays the way he played today, they'll be fine. But I think the Eagles, Vikings, Saints, in terms of talent, they have really, really, really good rosters. There are some question marks, but the NFC is going to be wide open. I, I'll say that that was something that we thought coming into today. And I, I think it's something that we could feel good about leaving week one is that the NFC is wide open. And, you know, the, the top dog in, in, in the Rams, they got a lot of concerns. Stafford's arm looks cooked. The defensive line is not the same. The left tackle, it, it, you know, Andrew Whitworth not being there anymore. That hurts. Their center just had uh, a knee surgery. So, um, yeah, not great. And, yeah, I'll, Burrow having four picks, I think, was the biggest thing that surprised me today. He'll shake back. But I, the, the team that loses the Super Bowl historically has a bad follow-up season. And the Ravens are healthy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens end up winning that division. Um, and yeah, I, I saw A-Rod, just, uh, A-Rod over here. Rodgers just threw a pick. So I'm sure it'll be a fun locker room session. It can't get worse than last year. Their season opener last year was pretty terrible. So it'll be pretty tough for the Packers to follow that up with an even worse one. And yes, look, I, maybe I was a little harsh there for Randall Cobb saying age 75. I meant he's age 65. Um, he can't create any separation. He's too old at this point. But anyway, before I wrap it up, guys, if you have more comments, throw them in here. We'll talk about it. It could be anything NFL related. Um, I, I just, last thing I want to say before we kind of close the book on week one is that I think the one thing this Saints team that we saw today that I think bodes well for them is because of the new weapons, even if they're down, uh, you know, two scores, whatever, later this season, I think with Jameis's arm kind of paired up with the receivers that they have, I think that they'll be able to kind of either get into a shootout, A, or B, throw their way back into the game, which they could not do last year at all. Um, you know, there were points last year when Simeon was starting. Got to be fair, Simeon was starting. But, you know, the Bills went up like 10 nothing in a Thanksgiving game, and I was like, well, this one's over. So, uh, you know, they don't have that anymore. This team was down 26 to 10, 12 and change to go. And they, they hung 17 up in those last 12 minutes. So that is, there's a beauty to that, being able to kind of throw your way back into game, which the Saints can absolutely do. Um, and, and I'm excited. Why is Monday night game Seahawks-Broncos? Well, the next common answer is that. Just Russell Wilson, man. I, the, the Seahawks are going to be a bad team this year. A ba- they were bad last year with Russell Wilson. Now you're taking Russell Wilson off that team. If Seattle wins more than six games this year, I would be stunned. They are, they are playing ancient football on the offensive side of the ball. And um, I would be stunned, man. I would be so stunned if the Seahawks are decent this year. 
they don't have a good roster right now. The only thing they got going for them is they have a really nasty receiver duel. Other than that, they don't have much going for them. Uh, defense, you know, a lot of money's resorted to a safety who can't play safety, honestly. He's really a linebacker slash pass rusher playing safety. Geno Smith is their starter, and you need Geno Smith to stay healthy because if Geno Smith goes down, it's Drew Locke, who is horrendous. So, yeah, it's the storyline for sure, but the Broncos will probably beat the Bricks off them tomorrow, and then we'll be looking at this game and being like an exciting week one. We put one of the worst teams on national television. Um, but that's why. That is absolutely why, and that's really it. But still a lot of football left today. I mean, you have the Chiefs looking pretty damn good to start. No Tyreek Hill, no problem. They got 23 points in the first half. That looks pretty good. Giants, scoreless, no surprise there. Chargers putting a, a beat down on the Raiders. I'm not really surprised there. I think Justin Herbert and that offense is going to be putting up a lot of points this season. Vikings shutting out the Packers. That's a nice sight to see because it's just you know good content. And again, like we said, Bucks cowboys later. I, look, you're going to get an idea of what the Bucs are going to be about, right? Um, I don't know if Goblin's going to play. It seems like he's going to be a game-time decision. You know that means he'll be ready for next week. Uh, just putting two and two together. If you miss one game, you know you'll be ready for the, the Saints game. That's uh, There's nothing that cures you more than that. But, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Buccaneers look. And, and that is for selfish reasons that I think that the Saints will have a good idea what they're going up against next week because we talk about the Saints being different this year. I think the Bucs are going to be different this year. No one talks about it, but your offensive line, completely different. Your receiving game, you lose Gronk, but you add you know, Julio Jones and a Russell Gage. I'm curious to see how that goes. Your defense, um, in terms of defensive line, maybe not as talented as once been, but it's still talented. Your coaching staff switches up. Your defensive coordinator moves to head coach. You lose Bruce Arians. How does that O-line look now? How does the offensive passing game look? So I'm curious to see how that goes down. Um, and we'll have a good idea there. So Sunday night will be very informative. Giants and Jets are bad. Sorry, I know you're in New York. You don't have to apologize that I'm in New York right now and that the Jets and Giants suck. Because let me tell you something, the perk of being someone who likes the Saints, when the, you know, the Giants and Jets stink, it's not your problem. If anything, it's just your, your kind of, I'd say your entertainment. Because I get to go drive tomorrow and listen to New York sports talk with people freaking out over what's going wrong or what, or, um, for the Jets or what's going wrong for the, um, for the Giants. So I really am, I'm really not going to you know, take offense to that. I, I crack up about that. Chris, I noticed that a lot of Patterson's runs against the Saints were right up the middle. Do you think the Saints make a change there? They better. They better make a change there. Um, yeah, no, that's a great observation. There was nothing overly complicated about what the Falcons did running the football today. They, they smashed it down the Saints' throats. And that is a concern because the Falcons don't have a particularly talented O-line yet. The Falcons don't have a loaded offensive roster where it's like, hey, we got to drop our safeties back because they got great receivers, so we can't get people in the box. That's not the case. The Falcons do not have great receivers. The Falcons do not have an abundance of weapons, and they still smash it down the Saints' throat. Now, it could be week one. Marcus Davenport wasn't playing well. Peyton Turner didn't play well. Anyamata's got to be better. Uh, you know, Contavious Street and those boys have to be better. It is 1,000% possible um, that this could have been a week one anomaly for this defensive line. But I am concerned, to your point, that it was down the middle, and that's why when some of you guys say, hey, Saints should sign Adamican Sue, or hey, Saints should look at Malcolm Brown, I sit here and I say, you're absolutely freaking right because the Saints can't just give up run after run after run up the middle to Cordell Patterson. 
because if Cordell Patterson could do it, and this is no disrespect to Cordell Patterson, what happens if you do get in those playoff games and you're going up against a 49ers rushing attack or a Green Bay Packers rushing attack with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon or the Vikings with Dalvin Cook? You are going to be in trouble. So I do expect that to be something they have to address. Um, so I, I, I really hope they do fix that. That would be the one thing that I leave from this game, and I'm concerned on the defense side of the football. I think the secondary over time is going to figure it out. I think that Paulson Adebo coming back to the secondary, and I think he's coming back very soon. Uh, I talked about it a little bit today with John Hendricks. We think maybe next week. We can't say for certain, but he's on the mend. That's going to change the secondary because now Roby gets to go in the slot. They get more options. I, you know, I, I think that side of the ball is going to be fine, uh, that part of the defense, but the defensive line has got to get better. So I, I am curious to see what happens there. And as for offense, you know, my main concern is what you guys have. This offensive line's got to protect Jameis Winston because we can't do this every week where he's getting sacked four or five times and he can't get into a rhythm till the fourth quarter when defenses are playing prevent and he's just letting this thing rip. You know, it worked this week. It might not work every week, but it would also be unfair to him if that's the situation he would be in. Do you think Julio Jones will have a good game? Uh, you know, so funny enough, this is so weird, and this is probably the weirdest interview I've ever done in my life. Uh, I spoke with Bruce Arians two weeks ago, and uh, I blurred out the background because, you know, I don't need him to know that, you know, secretly for the last couple of years, I have not been rooting for Bruce Arians. Um, we talked about Julio Jones, and he was telling me, and this could just be him hyping him up, but he said Julio Jones health-wise is the best he's been in the last couple of years. And if that's the case... I do think Julio Jones will have a good year because Julio Jones is so damn talented and so physically gifted that he's going to make an impact. But it's all health for me, and that's why I can't guarantee you that he'll have a good season. But do I think he'll make plays tonight? I think he will because, again, Godwin and Gage are banged up. So Mike Evans, he'll probably do his thing, but someone else has to step up, and that kind of leans you to go Julio Jones. So um, I think Julio Jones will make some plays tonight, prime time early in the season. Don't have to really worry about injuries yet with him. Um, I think he makes some plays. And guess what? Next week, we have the beauty of talking about Marshawn versus Julio Jones and Marshawn versus Mike Evans, two of our favorite rivalries ever. And we get that in one game. And that is going to be damn fun. And that is also, by the way, why you do not rush Paulson Adebo back from injury because there's a very good chance that you have to go up against Evans, Godwin, Gage, and Julio Jones next week. And if you need Paulson Debo for one of the two games, that is the one you definitely need him for. I mean, they could have used him today too, but you get my point. Having him for that Bucks game, that would be damn, uh, that'd be damn important because he will be a game changer. And I think that's going to be huge. Um, obviously, that's what we want to see is Marshawn versus Mike Evans and whether or not he can lock him up. But I think that Paulson Debo, if you guys are like, hey, is, is the hype warranted? I'm telling you guys from now, as long as he stays healthy, you will see very quickly that this wasn't just camp and preseason hype that we just gave out for no reason. Like, Paulson Debo's ready for that next step. So whenever he comes back, that's going to be huge for the New Orleans Saints, huge for the defense. And it just it's a trickle-down effect, guys. You know, Ro Roby gets to go to the slot, and um, that means less responsibility for Justin Evans or Tyron Matthew or Marcus May and PJ Williams could be roaming around wherever they want to utilize him. He didn't get to do that much today as we like to see. So getting back Adebo changes a lot. Um, so stay tuned for the injury report for that. And obviously we'll stay tuned for Alvin Kamara. Not a great situation there. Um, last thing here, seeing some media quotes coming in, read them out real quick because they're, they're pretty interesting. Jameis Winston 
on his huge play to Jarvis Landry on the final drive, in quotes, just big-time players making big-time plays in big-time situations. That's it. That's the name of the game, man. That's the name of the game. I said this last podcast because I was talking about the Saints and, and what I think they could be this year. You need to remember that in today's NFL, talent usually wins out. That's why the Rams, albeit really unorthodox approach, are damn good over the last couple of years because they go all in on talent. That's why the Buccaneers didn't matter that they had a bunch of head cases and Antonio Brown or whatever. They went all in on talent. They got rewarded. The Saints, talent-wise, got what they need this year at wide receiver, on offense, whatever. And we saw it win out late in the game. And if you're a quarterback, what a relief. If you're Jameis Winston, you feel so much better about this year's team. You feel comfortable making those plays down the field. And he said, Jarvis got on top of the defender and made a heck of a catch, which he did. That goes into next week. That all trickles down. So Saints, want to know, can't believe it. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'd imagine you guys are feeling much better than you did three hours ago, as we all are. But Saints win 27, 26, want to know. This coming week is Bucks week. I'll have a Bucks reporter on, I believe, either Tuesday or Wednesday night. We're going to preview this game. So if you guys want to kind of get in uh, the perspective of behind enemy territory, stay tuned for that. I will have a Bucks reporter on. We'll kind of um, chat about that upcoming game. Before that, the Bucks have to play the Cowboys, though. We'll see how that game kind of unfolds on Sunday night. But all that matters right now, Saints start the season with a win. Dennis Allen starts his Saints tenure with a win. And Jameis Winston in this offense made some pretty explosive plays when it mattered most. And of course, who I talked about on Twitter before as my pick for player of the game, Michael Thomas, to quote Lord of the Rings' movie title, Return of the King. He's back. Can't wait to see what he does in week two. That's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Thank you guys so much, as always, for coming in, leaving your comments and thoughts. I'll have another um, you know, preview pod coming up for week two. And then after the Bucks game finishes, of course, we'll have another live stream talking about what went right, what went wrong. Hopefully a lot went right. We'll see. You know, I, I really love those Bucks saints rivalry games. We'll see how that unfolds. But that'll do it here for the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.